What's up? It's Andrea. Today, Captain Picard utterly fails the captive food test. He's also a salty sailor and has the songs to back it up. And we ask the question, how do 24th century men not care at all about women's boundaries? We're outraged, and you should be too. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, today we're talking season three, episode 18, entitled Allegiance. This episode was written by Richard Manning and Hans Beamler and directed by Weinrich Kolb. It's Stardate 43714.1. Captain Picard and three other people are abducted and imprisoned by an unknown force and replaced by duplicates. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. I feel like every one of our plots ends with a giant bump, 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 which I guess kind of is At the point of the plot. At least for season three. For yeah. season three. Not, not for one and two. For season one, it's like the crew goes to a deeply racist planet and Tasha has to fight for a vaccine. I guess that's a bump, 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 but it's more like... Wah, wah. <laughs> because you know the deeply racist part everybody loves that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um what are your initial thoughts on allegiance this episode feels like a season one idea to me right because in this episode we've got the the duplicate captain which is basically a play on the theme of the captain's been possessed or taken over by something else and so Mm -hmm. he's acting strange which is very season one that happened every other episode. Yep. Somebody was getting possessed by a virus or an electricity monster or something. But I mean, it I, was like 180 times by a virus and one time by an electricity monster. But <laughs> Captain Picard was not himself for a single episode of season one. And most way through season two, do we even know who he really is as a person? I mean, honestly, we start to find out in season three and now we're like, I kind of like this guy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Including our episode next week. We'll get a nice slice of life about, uh, about Picard. Yeah. But so I felt like this was a season one idea, but I felt like they did it a thousand times better. It didn't feel like, Oh, great. Another virus. It didn't feel like that. It felt like, okay, there's kind of a little mystery here and it's kind of being unraveled and the crew is figuring it out faster. (laughs) What yeah, about you? I, what are your I agree. Thoughts? I agree. You know, I'm I'm with you on that. I actually really love an imposter episode. It reminds me of that one, and I had to look it up. Season five, episode 14, Conundrum. Mm-hmm. That's the one when the crew's so memories good. are wiped, and then that mm-hmm. second officer is an imposter. Mm-hmm. And I I love that. I just love a good old-fashioned imposter. You know, who is it? What's wrong mm-hmm. here? Because there are so many different fun ways to have the crew start to suspect that like something isn't right with the captain. Mm -hmm. And I love the ways that they did it in this episode. There were so many different little clues that you're like, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. And each one of those on their own would be like, huh? Okay. That's a little weird, but you start putting it all together and everybody starts exchanging their like weird interactions. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. I love that. I love that. Um, Also, this episode gave me a great deal of anxiety because Captain Picard and the other like people like the fake in- Picard. Oh, no, no the no. people who are in prison. Yeah. All the people who are imprisoned in that cell and you never see who the captors are or anything like that just gave me so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. So Super much creepy. anxiety. I was like, oh, God. Yes. Oftentimes the monster you don't see is scarier than the one that you do. And or at least on TV. I feel like yeah. in real life, I'd probably probably still be scared if it was yeah. a really scary monster i don't think i'd be like well you were so much scarier before i saw your face when you were like, just a probably, voice behind a curtain yeah, yeah no it'd probably still be pretty scary i think um but on tv yeah when you don't see them you're like oh what is it it's you've got that extra bit of mystery that's not like the fun kind yeah i would totally agree and also with the people who are kind of in prison there's that other mystery there's the mystery of are they going to figure out there's a fake picard on the enterprise mm-hmm. and then there's the mystery of are they going to escape this little cell? And why are they here? Yeah. I remember this episode. I remember watching this episode the first time I watched it and being like, I have no idea what's going on or how they're going to get out. Yeah. Like, I really had no idea. And um, I just think that's, that's always fun. Cause even as a kid, I watched a crap ton of TV mm-hmm. and you can always kind of guess the ending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with this, it's like, you know, in the, the end, Picard's going to be okay. But it's you don't the know classic how. doctor. Crusher has eight minutes to figure Mm -hmm. out a cure to this effing virus. And we've gone over that a bunch of times where it's like, okay, so, you know, it's just a countdown. She's going to figure it out. Maybe Wesley will like push the ship out of the asteroids way. Okay. But like stuff like this, where you're like, how actually are you going to get out of this? That is so much more memorable viewing Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's open this up. The captain, this is my kind of captain. 
he's reading a book and drinking a little port, which I assume <laughs> it's a little port. And I was like, oh, this man knows how I, I like to relax. <laughs> but this is honestly, I am Sharice. We've known each other a long time. You know, I am simultaneously an eight-year-old at heart. So I'll make like a blanket for it in my living room. But I'm also 2000 years old and I will like read a book and do some embroidery while I like watch TV because I like doing stuff. Right. But Mm -hmm. I thought this is my kind of captain where I'm like, I want to kick back with Picard and read a book and have a little port. But I do love that this is his way to unwind. We're not doing horseback riding anymore. Data took all the fun out of painting. (laughs) And and, um, Shakespeare, apparently. We're taking a break from that. All of that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am not a big Shakespearean. So every time they bring out the Shakespeare, I'm like, oh, we're back at this, huh? Okay. Well, I mean, that's that's Sir Patrick Stewart's training and background. It that's is, like his love. Is. So they have to bring that in as often as possible to kind mm-hmm. of be like a little nod to his passions. You know? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So while he's reading and having a little port, he ends up drifting off as one does when they're reading. And this very bad CGI rectangle appears over Picard. And that felt kind of like season one special effects too. Mm -hmm. And teleports him off the ship and he wakes up in this strange room and his comm badge is fritzing. So let's talk about the big CGI rectangle for a second. Oof! This rectangle was so great because as it hovers over his body, it goes like beep and scans him. And I was like, did that just make a Xerox copy? And it totally did. It was a <laughs> really space did. Xerox machine. And I was like, that is so interesting because I do not know when Xerox machines were invented, but the fact that they had this idea of it, and this is how they decided to show that that's yes. happening by yes. having the little, the little like laser light go from top to bottom, just like yes. a Xerox machine. Just I was like, like a photocopier. That is really funny. And then when they transported him, it was like dee, 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 dee. like the the special effects look different from yes. how the, it's like the light it's like work. light pops yeah yeah, it yeah. Kind of like stars and sparkles mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like ooh it's like a yeah it's a space Xerox and then sparkly transporter it was pretty it was really pretty here's my question with some background information as you know most companies that have those giant Xerox machines they lease them or rent them from Xerox mm-hmm. because those machines cost like 30 grand they're yeah. like, they are a ridiculously expensive piece of equipment mm-hmm. um so for the floating Xerox machine how much do you think those guys are shelling out a month like to pay for that thing i mean if they <laughs> if they spent 10 grand on that wheelchair for that really weird guy you know in season 1 who uh. even knows how much a floating space Xerox machine lease would be <laughs> It's way above my pay grade. That's for you sure. know. That's for sure. Okay, so on the bridge, Data detects some strange energy readings, and Worf and the security team go to the captain's quarters. And at first, you know, they ring the doorbell, and he doesn't answer. And they're like, "All right, security override." But as soon as they're saying that, the doors to captain's quarters open, and a doppelganger captain answers the door and is like, "Is everything all right?" And he's got his book in hand, his port. And that is like, uh oh, because we know that Picard has been kidnapped, but now there's a doppelganger. Like, oh, things, things. If kidnap, if the captain was just kidnapped, and the Enterprise knew about it, they'd be like, you know, we're we're gonna. They'd be like red alert. They'd be yes. scanning everything yes. in the world. They'd yes. be taking energy readings from the last location he was at. Exact everything, everything. Jordy's gonna reverse the shit out of that polarity and find him. Okay, because you know that's what Jordy does. Wesley's gonna find the traveler and go into some subspace corridor <laughs> and rewind time and find him. They're gonna find him. Yeah, but Troy, with the doppelganger, Troy is going to be feeling fear and uncertainty. <laughs> yeah, with her teeth. Yeah, <laughs> yes, but the doppelganger is like, uh oh, now nobody suspects a thing, so the the ship is just going on its merry business. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit. Also, I did just a little mini dive. I haven't done a dive in a while. Um, we know the word doppelganger is German, um, because it's got the two. I don't know what the name of the. A with the two dots is I think it's an umlaut or something, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, what is the root of this word? Um, so in 1796, German writer, Johann Paul Richter, who wrote under the pseudonym Jean Paul coined the word doppelganger from the word doppel meaning double and ganger meaning goer to refer to these specters. So double goer. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So now we have this like cool word. So wait, it referred to specters. It originally was talking about ghosts. I think so. I think that was like the, 
first like huh. use in his writing mm. as like these ghosts. like your ghost comes back so it's like your body and then your ghost so now there's yes. like two of you kind yes. of thing yes exactly so and it's like a carbon copy so that's your doppelganger which is which is pretty cool so it's like hey all right now i know now i know where that came from i can check that off my list the more you know <laughs> so we get into this prison with these um so on the enterprise they they have nothing they're none the wiser in this prison picard's like what the f and he's like walking around and kind of looking at the other prisoners and we get just some of the most dynamic and gorgeous monster makeup i, I knew they you were going to say that done on the show i knew you were going to say that Sharice. oh my gosh I... and even in high even in high def which i was like high def usually makes it look worse because you can see all the pores and like that where the makeup was stuck on and where the prosthetics yes. were stuck on and you can see like usually high def makes it look like really bad but here it just looks even better and i was like this speaks to the level of art artistic craftsmanship and even on like the bullion woman you can see that they did that her makeup job down to her neck mm-hmm. so every part that could possibly show on camera yep was painted and covered and i was yes. like give these people a raise somebody give them a- an emmy at the very least because yes first of all the starfleet the first year starfleet cadet haro Mm-hmm. She the looked Bowen. really cool. Yeah. Ugh. And then I about died when I saw Kova Thol, who's a Miserian, because not only was his makeup ridiculous, that mm-hmm. hood that looked like the Sydney Opera House going yes, backwards. That's exactly was what it was. Like, this, I need to cosplay this dude. I yes. really do. And just sit there and be concerned. And that would be my cosplay. I mean, the ridges on his face were gorgeous. The way that they like framed his nose, the way that they put ridges around his eyes, like everything was gorgeous. His hood was gorgeous. Like the makeup job was just fantastic. And then later on, when we get the Chalnar alien who gets beamed in, oh my gosh, like, oh, the way that they did, they did like this double lip thing on him. So when he talks, it moves like the outer set of teeth. And it's just, it was just beautiful. Like the, the contacts they put in his eyes, the fact they made him super tall, the hair, the stance. I was just like, this is spectacular. Spectacular. You know what? I, I say, let's cue up the golf clap. And give these people a raise because this is a whole other level of costume and makeup. Mm -hmm. It really, really is. This is making Um, season one look like the joke that it was with those party (laughs) party city costumes that they just went and bought and stuck on people's heads. This you're like, okay, this, you know, it took time. It took effort. It took planning. It took thought. Yeah. And for it to look that gorgeous so many years later. Like over 30 years later with high def, which they yeah. did not have at the time. Yeah. And for it to still look freaking stunning. I was, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, that, that Miserian like has always stuck out to me. Like just, you know, you don't find a hood like that. You make it, it's very mm-hmm. structured. Mm-hmm. It's very precise and it matches the same sort of tonal family as his skin color. It's just all of it. It's just so well thought out. So a plus to them. So yeah. Picard is looking around and he finds this like red waxy gelatinous disc that looks kind of like a red see-through hockey puck. Mm-hmm. And COVID tells him it's edible, but you wouldn't really quite call it food. And Picard sniffs it and then takes a bite. Um, Wrong, sir. Never, ever, <laughs> ever do that. What is Picard doing? I mean, in the arsenal of freedom, he just sort yeah. of bit a root and was like, it's bitter. Okay, this is medicine. No. And this one, <laughs> not ever in your wildest fucking dreams, Picard, should you be biting hostage food that some random alien you just met is like, it's edible. And you're like, all right, I'll just pop this in my mouth and potentially die. But okay. I was like, how did you earn your captain's pips with zero understanding about stuff like that? Come on. Well, now. you know, they don't, apparently they don't do Boy Scout training when they're training captains because there's a lot of random stuff like that, just biting stuff where you're like, don't put that in your mouth. No, Sharice, let me tell you how many times I've been kidnapped. Zero. And I still know not to do that. <laughs> I've been, I have been a hostage absolutely zero, zero times, times. And you don't put shit like that in your mouth. Come on, Picard. That to me, I was like, I wrote wrong, sir, in all capital letters on my notes. <laughs> so he does that. And thankfully he doesn't die. Yeah. So thank all is God. Well. And so he's kind of like looking around and still trying to figure out what the heck, what is going on here? Um, and, you know, he's kind of talking to the prisoners and kind of like, what, why are we? And I, I didn't write too many notes because I was just kind of watching the episode. 
But at some point he's talking to the prisoners and he's trying to figure out kind of like, you know, who are you? Who am I? Why are we here? What's going on? And it's just a big old mystery. There's no, there is a door, but there's no way to open the door. There's a panel next to the door on the inside, which why would that be there? If it's a prison, why wouldn't they just have that panel on the outside? I just had that thought, but whatever. That's a good point. I guess maybe it's like you call for room service. If you need like fresh water <laughs> or fresh gelatinous hockey pucks, if you're running out of hockey pucks, you're like, hello, <laughs> can we get two more hockey pucks, please? Um, but they've got a panel on the inside for some reason. And, um, and the Miserian is saying like, don't mess with that. You're going to get a shock of pain trust me. It happened to me. Like, I'm just going to sit here and just wait for rescue. You know, I'm just going to wait and be patient. And Picard's just like, okay, taking kind of everything in and realizing there's not a really easy way to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And why are we here in the first place? Mm-hmm. And what is going on? Yes. Um, I love that the Miserian is very like, I've been here for a few days. I, I really wouldn't touch that thing if I were you. And I'm not going to participate in this escape attempt because it could lead to pain. I love that just small little statements like that give us such a glimpse into what kind of person he is and also what kind of race he might represent, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, what, what are, what are your aliens like? And as we find out later, he's like part of like the race of like thinkers and like the peace, the peaceful, you know, like anti yeah, pretty much pacifists. Yeah. They're pacifists. They're, just, yeah. they're against any kind of violence. And, and early on when he's talking to Picard and, and he's like, and Picard's like, do, do you have any enemies? Right. He's talking to the Bolian ensign and he's like, well, your people are at war with this other people. Maybe it's them, you know, and someone's like, well, what about the Romulans? He's like, yeah, maybe it's the Romulans. I don't know. And he's mm-hmm. like, who are you at war with? And the Mizarian's like, my people aren't at war with anyone. Like we have no conflict with anyone. And Picard's just like, no conflict. You've been conquered seven times, like in the past <laughs> few years or whatever. Right. Like, what are you talking about? And the Mizarian's just like, yeah, because we never resist anybody. Like we just let them conquer us. We don't have any conflict with them. We're just like, welcome, sir. I know. I love that. He was like, we don't have any enemies. And Picard's like, really? <laughs> like he just immediately came for him. He came for Kova hard. He's like, yeah. none. You're telling me none. <laughs> well, while this is happening, fake Picard or faux Picard, who I'm just going to start calling Picard, wants the Enterprise to visit a pulsar in the Lanka cluster. And they're on their way to rendezvous with another Starfleet vessel. But Picard is like, well, there's a pulsar that's in this cluster. I mean, how long would it take us at warp seven? And once he's like, um, like 24 minutes. minutes. Yeah. 34 minutes at warp seven. He's like, all right, let's go warp two. It's like, wait, that already would be like, wait, wait, what? So we can, we can get there quickly, but now we're going to crawl there. Yeah. And And he actually just says like, how long does it take? And then mm -hmm. Wesley says at warp seven, it'll take 34 minutes. He's like, great. He's like, great. Go warp two. And then he's like, sir. He's like, yep. Warp two it is. And he's like, uh, okay. Yeah. And everyone's kind of like, I'm sure there's some reason. And then Ficard has this brilliant idea to take Riker aside, which I thought this is the thing that was missing in season one. Well, wait a minute. Before he did that, Riker tells Worf, inform the hood that we will be delayed in meeting them. Mm -hmm. And Picard, Ficard says, belay that order. Going forward, there will be no external communication without his prior authorization. Then he was like, number one, can I see you over here? Which is so weird because it's like, not only does Ficard want them to go to some pulsar for no reason, he also does not want to inform the ship that they're going to be late, which is just like common courtesy. So I didn't get that. But this is more part of him just being weird and just seeing how far he can push the envelope. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Spoiler alert. We never learn why they're at that damn pulsar. Why were you there? Well, we kind of see what we, we kind of learn a little bit because what these aliens are doing is they're trying to study leadership and authority and they're trying to see oh, like how far you can push the envelope? how far you can push. Yeah. They're trying oh. to see how far you can push things and they're doing it into like a parallel storyline. The fake, the Ficard is pushing the envelope with the crew and he's seeing how far can he order them before they will stop taking his orders. Got it. So he orders them to the pulsar and then he orders them into the pulsar, which will crush the ship and kill everyone. Right. And he's, seeing, he's seeing how far can he push them where they will just continue to like, agree with his authority. And then on the other side in the prison, 
they're saying, how can they push authority with these four different cultures um, by just keep changing the scenario and changing the scenario and changing the scenario mm. to see how far they can push them before they just lose their crap. No wonder. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense because in the episode with the binars, mm-hmm. they took the ship to Binus because the binars were dying and they needed their help and they needed to they reboot need the computer, their whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But this, I was like, does this alien race need the pulsar's energy for some reason? I couldn't understand why they were there. Though that nope. makes more sense. Sure don't. <laughs> but why they're, were they're good? Like, yeah, but <laughs> so he just wants to be rude to like not tell the hood that they're going to be late, and I don't get that. But anyways, it's just more of like how much can I tell them to do that they'll just be like, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. Yes. Well, for me, it's always red alert in my mind when someone says we're changing plans drastically and you're not to communicate to anyone for any reason. It's like, uh oh, that's why I wouldn't do well in the military. Cause I'd be like, well, that smells fishy. And they'd be like, you're relieved of duty. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. would be the end of that. And you'd be um, like, that's probably a good idea. Sir. <laughs> yeah. I'll be, over- <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. I'll be, over- <laughs> I'll be over here playing Fortnite. So I had no intention of this. following any of your orders. No, I don't know why I'm here. No. If you're a soldier, you need to like follow orders. Blindly. This is also why, yeah. this is also why I would not make a good soldier because you need to like, there's some stuff that goes down and you just need to do what you're told or you yep. could die. And yes. I do not do well with doing what I'm told or I could die. I'm just like, but what if we do it a different way? Like, I'm just so not, <laughs> I'm not a good fit there. Yep. Nor would I fit in leadership because I also can't order people to do things that I know is dangerous, which is yep. what you need to do to be a leader for yeah. crying out loud. And we yep. see that in season seven, when Troy takes her command um, training, you have to order people to do dangerous things if you're going to be a leader in a military organization, which spoiler alert, Starfleet is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, Picard doesn't know, that, do, but they are. Yeah, Picard doesn't know, but everyone else knows. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I wouldn't do well in that either because I'd be like, but they're my friend or it's really dangerous. Like, I just would not, I just have no, no, no point in being anywhere near there if we want to protect our country. Yeah. So Picard, Picard pulls Riker into the ready room and it's just like, hey, buddy you know how I can't always tell you what we're doing. Right. And he's like, yeah, I totally get that. He's mm-hmm. like, well, this is one of those times where mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing some strange stuff and I can't tell you why, but just trust that it's for the best. And I will tell you when the time is right or something like that. Yes. And Riker's like, yes, sir. Okay, sir. Yeah. You, sir. You know, it's just like, if this was the real Picard, then everything he's saying is 100% true. Like, They'll be with you no matter what, whatever you say, because you've gotten them out of so many scrapes and jams and, yep. you know, the ship's about to explode in 10 seconds and you tell them to release the EPA conduit on deck two and it saves you at the last second, like, of course. Yeah. But, um, I thought this was really a clever thing for the yes. card to say, Hey, I'm going to be acting weird. Just trust me. Okay. Because like, that's what none of the people did in season one when they started acting. Yes. Fishy. They never told yes. them like. I'm going to be fishy. Just trust me. It's well, it's see, cool. that is, that is so validating for Riker because Riker's like, Ooh, I'm being brought into the fold. Yes. And I think that that does engender a greater level of trust mm-hmm. than just saying, uh, Worf, belay that order. No one talked to anybody for any reason for it. No matter what, no matter who does what to you or says what to you, you shouldn't talk to anyone for no reason. Right. Like he made that mm-hmm. so clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that immediately starts getting looks. But to pull Riker aside and be like, hey, I just need you to know, you know, I can't always tell you the details of our mission, but this is, you know, what to expect the next few days. There might be some weird stuff going on. I love that. And of course, mm-hmm. Riker is like, he put his trust in me. And so Riker's all excited. <laughs> Riker's loving it. Yeah. And then he can, you know, um, let the crew know when the crew is like, what the heck? He can be like, well, he's there's something going on and we're just going to trust him, you know? Yeah. Yes. Agreed. So meanwhile, Picard is trying to communicate with his fellow captors and he's getting to know these hostages and trying to come up with some reason that they all tie together why they would be abducted. And as they're talking, this crazy looking alien named Isak is teleported in in his like sparkly star teleportation. And he's from the planet Chalna. And we have never seen this alien before. As we've never seen any of the aliens before, I think that that our fellow cap, you know, yeah, captives. we m- maybe not. We haven't met the Bolian guy who cuts hair yet. Wasn't he in season no. one? Or no, no, Mott. No, he was not. Yeah. So this is our first time seeing all three aliens. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Isak is this crazy looking alien. I thought that the 
vibe on him was a little bit more season one-y. The makeup was done really well. I kind of think of him as a reverse walrus because like he's got those teeth that go like mm-hmm. up in front of his face, which make mm-hmm. me wonder, how do you eat anything at all? Because you can't open your mouth. Well, I mean, I think he also has teeth on the inside because, well, one, he's a human, but <laughs> but I think those teeth are for like, are for like the fighting aggressive, like it's more for fighting than for eating. Yeah. Yeah. Like the ripping teeth. Anyway, he looks insane. He's about 12 feet tall. This guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) just towers everyone. He's got the crazy warrior eyes. I think of him as, um, Klingon, but like wilder even, because as we come to find out, like his, his people have no use for rules for government. It's just pure anarchy, Mm -hmm. pure anarchy. It's kind of like the gatherers from the vengeance factor a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the warrior mentality of the Klingons, but without like the honor of the Klingons that keep- well, with the, the pirate mentality of the gatherers. Yes, absolutely. And I definitely got a Nausicaan feel when he first beamed in. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a Nausicaan. And mm-hmm. then he, when he was like, I'm from Chalnar, I was like, oh, wait a minute. What? Yes. But, um, whatever. This costume was sick. It was amazing. It was great. I loved everything about it. And his attitude and him being kind of like gruff and a fighter and all of that. Yes. I really enjoyed how the the broad strokes with which they painted these three characters that Picard is with, you could really feel their personalities just from the way they stood or walked mm-hmm. or talked, regardless of what they said. So you notice that the, the uh, Miserian was just sitting in kind of like, you know, his yoga pose, right? Yes. He was just sitting. He was just meditative. Yeah. He was just meditative. Like he never, he almost never moved. He only stood up like one time. And then you see the Bolian woman is just like, yes, sir. Right away, sir. And kind of like, you know, like a little mouse running around. And then you see this, this, um, Chalnar guy who's like, st- like stalking around the room, yes. you know, back and forth because that's his personality. You can just yes. feel like the energy and the angst and like the anger and like the, we got to do something. And mm-hmm. you see Picard who's like pacing and taking stock of everything. And, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was really well done with how these characters felt real. They did. Yes. Even, even though it's for one episode, <laughs> these yes. characters felt real, but they, they, Felt like they had fully flushed out characteristics, mm-hmm. right? Like, like you can first, tell they the have first year cadet. Yes, mm-hmm. the first year cadet was very eager to like help and serve because that is the role of a first year cadet. Mm-hmm. Captain is clearly in the leadership role. He's trying to take stock of everything and put together the pieces because he's a thinker. Um, yeah, the Miserian is just like, leave me out of this <laughs> because I'm a pacifist. <laughs> I'll just wait for my release and yeah Isak is like all right we're gonna burn all of this down and if we die in the attempt then fine <laughs> like, <laughs> like, which even more than my Zerian was like I said leave me out of it okay? yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> my clothes and makeup are very flammable please do not do that <laughs> anyway meanwhile Ficard appears at the staff poker game and here's a teeny little bit of trivia I found there are only two scenes in the entire TNG universe where Captain Picard shows up to the staff poker game. This is one of them and all good things part two at the oh, very wow. end. And I was like, Oh my huh. gosh, this is it's it's, and he doesn't sit down to play. He's just standing there, but super I was, awkward. So awkward. So awkward. So he appears and he asks Jordy to increase engine efficiency to 95% because 93% is just not, good enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Jordy's like, okay, I'll go do that now. And Picard's like, no, no, no. Like you're having recreation time. It's fine. But Jordy's like, look, lady luck left me a long time ago. I've been losing my shirt in this poker mm-hmm. game. I'll go do that now. Here's where things I think got for me weird. Riker's now like, well, we've got an empty seat, like take a seat and play. And he's like, no, no, no. I'll just observe. Well, don't just stand there. At least sit down and observe because he's just hovering over people as they play. and. I think Troy wins a hand and he's standing there applauding like, good job, Troy. Wow. And everybody's doing the side eye. Like, mm-hmm. what do you, this is just it's awkward weird. and like weird. Like mm-hmm. at least sit down and observe and just like be there for like the giggles of it. But like, yeah, it's just super weird. So he pulls Troy aside and he asks like how far the crew's trust in him goes. And she's like, well, we all trust you. And like, we've served with you a long time through many viral possessions like we we trust you (laughs) and he's like okay good because you know 
let me know if that changes. Yeah, That'd I want great. you guys to trust me no matter what I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he's just like, walks off humming to himself. And Kelser Troy's like, she's having an internal red alert. She's like, what the fuck is going on? And Ficard continues to just kind of make people feel just slightly off balance. He goes to Beverly for a physical, even though his annual physical isn't for another month. And we all know that Picard doesn't have time for medical shit. Mm -hmm. He's like, I have a job to do. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to like LA any suspicion. You know, he's trying to like prove to people in different ways that like, I'm great. Everything is great. (laughs) You know, which of course. All is well. Yeah. Which is so weird because you're like, you're like, why would Picard ever volunteer for this? Like he wouldn't. But the fact that every single scan and test that Beverly ran showed that it was Picard. It was exactly the same as his last scans Mm -hmm. is like, man, their little Xerox machine is impressive. Mm -hmm. And they say at the end of the episode that it can, it can copy even brain cells and neurons, neuronal pathways. So basically memories and personalities can be copied like verbatim basically yes that is ridiculously impressive that is super impressive yeah it was just, that was amazing why but don't yeah, we see that creepy. technology more in tng it's really good but ficard leaves doctor's office and he stops and turns around and asks her for a date and i thought even though it's fake picard it's about damn time <laughs> they got a date. and beverly's like I'd be delighted. And we do see her a little bit later and she looks so beautiful and cute. And she just looks stunning. I was like, yay. Like as viewers, this is sort of that alternate universe thing Mm -hmm. that we saw with yesterday's enterprise. We get to see the storyline that isn't what's really happening. Right. Cause it's imposter Mm -hmm. Picard. Mm -hmm. Well, like as viewers, we get to check that box and be like, Oh, we get to see like, Beverly and Jean-Luc Picard in like a romantic setting. Oh, a little it's so date. Great. Yeah. And so when he asks her on a date, he's just like dinner, you know, and she's like, sure, 10 forward, like we always do. Yeah. And he's like, no, my quarters. It's more intimate. Bum, like, bum, oh, bum. Oh, okay. You know, you just see her like, wow, Jean-Luc, you surprise me. And he's like, I'll take that as a yes and walks out. And you're like, whoop. Oh. Uh-huh. It's confident. It's sexy. Okay. Which is not like Picard. No, nope. <laughs> no, he's confident and, and yeah, he's, he's confident and not set. He's yeah. He overthinks he's everything. He's confident about running a starship. Yes. He's yes. not confident when it comes to Beverly. No, no. Okay. So Sharice, did you ever watch saved by the bell? Yes. Okay. You know, when any of the characters kissed the audience would go like really loud and obvious. Yeah. yeah. I felt that multiple times this episode like when he asked her out on a date i immediately went (laughs) (laughs) and then when they're on their date i i did that again but we're not quite there yet but the real picard and his fellow detainees are attempting to escape and they're hit with the pain beam which is so unfortunate but really cool that the chalnar like crushed that box i was like whoa when they yes. were like trying to pry it open and they couldn't figure out how to get through the panel. And he was like, that's easy. And he just like punched it in the face. Yep. And it broke into a million pieces. Yep. I was like, man, where was this dude earlier? Also, amazing. also, I thought, also, I thought, yeah, thank God he's wearing gloves because you would have had just like shards of glass and plastic coming out of your knuckles. That would have been really unfortunate. Maybe we don't know what his skin's made out of. That's though. I can imagine it's tough, titanium. leathery something. Yeah, <laughs> right? uh, it's just carbon fiber. So they're hit with this pain beam. And totally incapacitated. And I thought somewhere, Worf is feeling really jealous. <laughs> He's not getting hit with his pain stick when he wants to. But yeah, so they're And totally- we see the Miserian being like, told you so. Yeah, I, told- <laughs> I did warn you. I did. And I thought if there's ever an I told you so, that's the perfect place. Like, I told you not to do that. I kind of um, thought the beam was going to stun him also. Like I thought it was just going to be like a widespread beam that just stuns everyone in the cell. Um, but the fact that it didn't stun him because he wasn't near it or wasn't trying to like do it. I thought that was really interesting. I think that is really interesting too, because it's like, it, it shows an intelligence. It's not the alarm system has been tripped and this beam just goes off and everything would make more sense cell, to me. It mm-hmm. would make more sense, but I think that that really does show intelligence. Like he wasn't part of it. So he's not punished. And I thought that was kind of cool. Well, meanwhile, 
Ficard and a very sexy Beverly are on their date and she just looks wonderful. And she's wearing this off the shoulder kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and Picard is kind of probing, like, would things be different if I wasn't your captain? You know, mm-hmm. I- I've wanted to like ask you out for a long time. And I love that Beverly is very clear on what she wants and is also very gentle about the way she delivers that news where she tells Picard, like, I like our relationship just the way it is. And Picard shows that he's really listening because the next thing he says is, would you like to dance? That's <laughs> mm-hmm. like, uh, that is not just the way it is, but okay. I knew you were going to say something about that. Like I knew it because <laughs> she literally like, this is a conversation that Andre and I have a lot about boundaries in dating <laughs> when it comes yep. to people, women on this show, which is always kind of a, a nightmare. Um, basically women are just playthings on the show. It doesn't yes. matter who. Yes. And the, and the woman is saying, you know, I only like you as a friend. And the man goes, okay, do you want to make out? No, I yeah. don't. I just said that. Or they say like, I actually don't want to date you or have anything romantic with you. And they're like, okay, great. You want to make out? <laughs> I don't want to. No, I don't. I don't even want to be friends. Like, yeah. did you miss that part that I yeah. just said? <laughs> I don't even like you. Yeah. And their response is usually they massage them or they play sex. I was, ju- I or was something, just going like, what the hell was the name of that wormhole negotiator? Rawl or yeah, something? It was Rawl. Mm-hmm. Oh, F you. So hard. Rawl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in this case, it's not as awful as Rawl with, you know, Troy saying no, thank you. And him saying, let me massage you and kiss you. Yeah. And you're like, let me take off your opposite. headband. Never touch a woman's hair, by the way. <laughs> We spent hours trying to make it look that carelessly ruffled and you are messing it up in the weirdest way possible. So here Beverly's like, I like the relationship the way that it is. And you know, I'm good. So he's like, okay, great. Let me put on some music. Let's (laughs) dance. Let's slow dance together. Let's kiss a little bit. And then Beverly's just like, stop. Like, no, like, I mean, she kissed him because she does like him and she says, I like you, but there's more to, it's more complicated than I like you. You like me. Let's just hook up. It's way yes. more complicated than yes. that. And they that's why we kiss. have to move forward. They do kiss. And my inner 12 year old from Saved by the Bell went Woo! again. <laughs> yeah, they do kiss. And then Beverly's like, no, like, I don't want this to go any further mm-hmm. for all the reasons I previously stated. He <laughs> <laughs> slides A through F on my PowerPoint. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. To which Ficard responds with, yeah, you're right. Get the hell out of my quarters. Yes. He's like, let's call it a night. And then just opens the door for her. He and was a gentle- he was a, he was <laughs> he was a gentleman. He opened the door for her. And then she kind of did the little at the door linger like good night. And he's like, good night. And the door's shut. <laughs> and poor Beverly. Beverly's like, I what what yeah, yeah what just happened you see her confused like does he want me to leave and he's just staring at her staring at the door like <clears throat> so she's like i guess even, so he's not even being mean about it he's very jovial he's like this was fun good night <laughs> just, just, and it's not that like pretend happiness that you have when like your feelings have been hurt in a movie and you're like yeah. everything's great bye and then you slam the door a little too hard so you're like okay yeah you're pissed mm-hmm. this was genuinely like all right good night <laughs> just door well, shut thought i tried right in her face practically caught part of her asymmetrical bob in the door mm-hmm. and she's like what just uh, and she even said, you know, after their kiss, she was like, I, if I didn't know you better, I would think you're just messing with me. Mm-hmm. And then immediately followed by get out of my quarters is like, uh, what? Like, it yeah. does feel like you're messing with her. And that's so not Picard. Like all of this is not Picard. The candor, the honesty, the seduction, the kicking her out of the, the apartment, mm-hmm. the being like, see you later. Like the jovialness, like all yep. of that was just off. Right. It was yes. just super off, but it was also kind of like like a fantasy type of dream come true. I think for, mm-hmm. for Beverly, even though she didn't want to go down that path, it was kind of like putting your toe in the water. Yeah. So she was I mean, she's, like, get, she's getting to experience the fantasy for a minute. Right. So it's like, that was weird, but also I guess whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, I don't know. And just like, we're just not gonna talk about this again, you know? Yes. No, it was so weird. So in the detention cell, everyone is starting to turn on each other and, you know, they're all pissed about getting hit with the pain stick, the pain, beam Mm -hmm. and they're like well how do you know how do we know that you're not an imposter and you're not an imposter and how do we know that you're not what are you doing here and cadet haro vouches for picard she's like you're talking to captain picard like he's put himself before his crew a bunch of times like 
the Enterprise's mission on Mintaka 3. And that was like the proto-Vulcan planet we'd been to with the little oh, the duck blind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was mm-hmm. the duck blind episode where, you okay. know, like they 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 see. I this, did like, not realize she was referencing other episodes. I was just like, oh, it just sounded like a bunch of Star Trek words to me. Caught, so I didn't trip. <laughs> it caught my ear and I Googled it. And I was like, the fact that I had to Google this after we just reviewed it like 10 episodes ago <laughs> just goes to show how pretty forgettable that episode was. I was like, oh, yeah, the proto Vulcans. It okay. is a pretty forgettable episode. It is. It is. <laughs> but then this is this sparks Picard's suspicion. So he baits her with the mission that they just completed to cure the Firox plague on Car Caroli 5, which is which is where how this, they open the episode. They open the episode mm-hmm. with Picard with his book, with his port saying after this exhausting mission to cure the Firox plague on Carcarola 5. We're taking some downtime. We're going to meet the hood. And then that's when he gets Xeroxed and kidnapped. So there's no way that this first-year cadet would know about, like, the mission that they just completed, like, 20 seconds before he got there. Right, for two reasons. One is she said they studied it back in the academy. So she mm-hmm. would have had to know about this back when she was in the academy before mm-hmm. she became an ensign, which, by the way, this just happened. So that yep. doesn't make sense. And then two which Picard reveals later, that whole mission was classified as top secret. So there's really, there's like double reasons why there's no way she would know about that. And the odds that in in Starfleet, you would be studying the Enterprise's interaction with the Mintonkins. It's like, no, you're doing like Bio 101, Warp Nacelles 101. Like Mm -hmm. this seems kind of some weird thing to be studying. Mm -hmm. So he is now looking at her like, Okay, like something is not off here. And this is really Picard's like first, first little like time that he casts that it lands on something where he's like, okay, I don't know why she knows about this, but at least I know that something is not right with her. Um, So on the Enterprise, we learn from Riker's first officer's log that Picard has ordered the Enterprise to slow to half impulse, which, as I calculated on the Deja Q teardown episode, is a measly 3,200 miles per hour. So they're crawling to this pulsar, which is not going to take him like 18 days or some crap to get there. And Riker and Troy are having themselves a little hangout at 10 forward, which I like to imagine is a date of some sort. And they're discussing like- We've already established they're friends with benefits. So it could just be a friend hangout. It could be a date hangout. With those two, you just I never just, know. I just want them to be together. Um, <laughs> but so they're talking about how strange like Picard's behavior has been. When he comes in and- Everybody's like, oh, Captain. And he stands there and waves. And he's very comfortable being the center of attention here. And he's like, I'll have a nail. In fact, ales for everyone. And I thought this was kind of funny because this is like saying a round is on me. Yeah. Except that doesn't quite have the same ring when money doesn't exist. (laughs) That's literally what I wrote in my notes. I was like, this feels less impactful since all the food and drinks are free. Yeah. (laughs) It's like not as special, right? You hear this one, you hear this one guy in the background going, thank you, captain. Yeah, (laughs) And you're just like, like, did you hear that? I was just like, that's pretty, yeah. There's one guy in the background like, thank you, captain. I was like, yeah, but it's free. Like (laughs) I could just just synthesize it anytime. I just wrote people murmur in appreciation at this like free round. (laughs) This round is on me, but it's like, you know what? It goes from being a treat like, oh, great. I don't have to pay for this like beer to now I can get ale if I fucking wanted to. And now this captain is basically like obliging all of us to drink ale with him. And I don't like ale. It upsets my stomach. Otherwise mm-hmm. I would have ordered it. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of what I thought. It's like, now it's just an obligation where it's like, oh, ale for everyone. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> and then the <laughs> car decides to toast to the finest current Starfleet. And then he starts singing question mark. Like, yeah. He's like, Back what? in the academy, we used to sing when we would celebrate and toast our drinks or something. What are you, the chimney like- sweep from Mary Poppins? <laughs> you just don't burst into song. You don't do that. You love that. a good musical, though. So <laughs> so then he starts singing, and he's like, la, 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 you know, and he's singing yes. with um, Worf and Jordy, and they're both like, what the? And so he starts singing, come on, come on, you know, and so they kind of start singing along. For like two or three bars, and then he turns around and they stop singing immediately, yes. and they look at each other like, "What the heck was that?" Yes. And, and Jordy's love- doing his best to be like a suck up, right? He's like, "Yes, and I went in. I don't know." Like he doesn't know the words <laughs> to this song. <laughs> sure as hell doesn't. Worf is like, "I'm not of your people. I have no idea what's happening." Well, he's he's well, that Klingon card. Nah, Klingons <laughs> don't do that, homie. We don't do that. Mm-mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want to sing about Jolly Jack Tar. What the fuck are you talking about, Picard? <laughs> and Picard fought Picard finds a table of like three people who know every word and they're like swinging their arms. <laughs> like, That's I'm sorry. One of the guys who said, thank you, Captain. I know, one of them. So it turns out, it turns out that he's singing about a Jolly Roving Tar, which is a 19th century song, a Newfoundland folk song told from the perspective of this woman, Susan, who's lamenting the wandering of her beloved uh, Tar, or which means sailor. So it's, yeah, it's, it's what just, is like a sailor song, which makes it's sense a, it on is spaceship. a sailor. That's yes. kind of like a, yeah. So there's it, some kind of connection to pirates or something going on here that we don't <laughs> quite get. So this is going on and like Troy and Riker are like, what the F? And he yeah. sits with them and he's like, what the F? And then the next scene, you see a secret meeting. Yes. And somebody's fly quarters. Yes. Yes. Next thing we know, they have convened their first ever no Picard's welcome club meeting. <laughs> And everybody's got some evidence like, as to why it's like Dumbledore's Picard army, right? Yeah. They're all finding the secret room to be like, all right, room, what's up? They all show up to the room of requirement on the Enterprise. And they're like, what the fuck is going on with our captain? Yeah, it is. And when they leave the room, it disappears. So I guess it would just be the holodeck. Who, who the hell does? <laughs> but, but anyways, they're in somebody's fly quarters. And they're like, all right. So we were all a witness just now to this ale swiveling singing captain. Yeah. And that is off. And then they start saying, well, you know, another thing that's off is, you know, Beverly's like, we had dinner. It was very unusual. Mm -hmm. And Troy's like, yeah, he pulled me to the side and it was very unusual. And they're all kind of like, yeah, he's being unusual. And Worf's like, I will not mutiny against the captain. And Riker's like, dude. No one's talking mutiny. We're just saying he's being unusual. Yes. <laughs> that's yeah. all we're saying right now. And, and, you know, if he's just a little bit off, that's okay. But if he starts yeah. to endanger the ship or something, that's another conversation. Then we need to talk about that. Yes. So data does point out like that energy burst in the captain's quarters. And they're like, we haven't really investigated what that was because Picard answered the door and he's like, everything. Okay. Everything's okay. All right. Good night. And like, must've just been some anomaly. Who knows? So I do love that data points that out. And, yeah, and they're like, well, maybe it did like, you know, there's an outside influence. Maybe that pulse like changed his brain somehow. So they're still thinking it's Picard, mm -hmm. but like something about that energy that they for totally forgot about. Yes. Maybe is making him be a little bit odd. And that's well, when they're like, Beverly, what about his scans? Did it like mess with his brain? And she's like, well, no, his scans are perfect. But the fact that he came to get scans is actually what's weird. Well, not only that, but the fact that his scans came back exactly identical to his physical from a year ago is in and of itself a little bit strange. Like it should be different. Your cholesterol levels are different. Your yeah, exactly like things are different. Everything should be different. Everything just a should be bit. a little bit. Yeah, a little bit different. Um, so they're like, okay, everybody just kind of keep an eye out on this. And also, uh, mischief managed. Everybody go back to their rooms now. <laughs> like, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna nobody talk about this. So now this ship though is at the pulsar, and Picard orders the ship to within 20 million kilometers, which Data says the shields can only maintain for 18 minutes, or maybe Wesley says it. Somebody, somebody at con says mm -hmm. we've got 18 minutes of shields here. And Riker yeah, probably data because data was like shield three has just failed moving to shield four. Like all yes, the shields are like, which for me, apart. I was like, you have multiple shields. That's I mean, what I, I you, thought too. Yeah. I was, I was like, like, wait, since when <laughs> I thought it was just one shield, but I guess there could be multiple shield generators to make the shield around the whole entire ship as a bubble. That does make sense. But I never thought about it before he said shield three has failed. Now it's shield four. It's like, what? See, I knew, you know, they always said like forward shields, aft shields, stuff like that. Right. Depending yeah, on where you're getting hit, but three and four, I'm like, are these different generators? Are these different levels? Like I, I are was they like, different layers the, or is it the, the same? That's what I shield, said. But different things that generate the shield in case one fails, there's backup shields. I, I don't, don't know. know, but I was so there for it. I was so there for it. So if you know the answer to that question, send us an email to info at the TNG podcast.com. Cause somebody listening to this knows about this whole shield situation. I am dying to know. Okay. So Riker decides to pull Picard aside and he's like, what the F is up? Like we've done everything you've wanted us to do. You're putting the ship at risk to just like observe a fucking pulsar. Like we've got all the info we need on pulsars. We don't need to be here. And we know a lot about this specific pulsar because he asked this before they ever set course. He asked data, how much do we know about that pulsar? And data's like, 
we know everything about the pulsar. We yeah. know this, we know that, we know that. And yeah. he's just like, all right, all right, all right. Wesley, set course. Yes. So it's like, there's really no reason to be there's here. There's no reason for you to be here. So he warns, Riker warns Picard that he may have to take control of the Enterprise if Picard keeps acting in this weird way. And I thought this was so well handled by Picard because he kind of gaslights Riker and he's like, you know, you've been under a lot of stress lately. You maybe haven't been yourself all the way. How do you know it's me that's acting strange? You might be acting strange. And if you keep pushing this, I may have to investigate as to your ability. So I would really think twice about how you come at me. And I was like, ooh, that was just like the most pleasant and polite threat I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I was like, it kind of Whoa. reminds me of the episode when um, Picard was possessed by the electricity monster and Beverly was like, sir. I think there's something wrong with you. I need to do a full medical scan on you. And he goes, you know what? I think there's something wrong with you. And I want to do a full medical scan on you. So you're ordered to have a full medical scan and like kicks her out and like totally turns that on her. And she's just like, poor Beverly's been kicked out so many times. I know. know. And she's just like, okay, sir, I'll go run a scan on myself. Right. Instead of being like, nah, homie, like I, I, when I am saying there's a problem, I am the chief medical officer. I outrank you in medical decisions. You can't fire me. I quit. Yeah. Yeah. She to you first. She could have pulled her card on that, but she didn't because she wanted to respect him respecting the Picard he was not the crazy you know possessed electricity monster version and so similar to this right where Riker's just like I'm gonna have to do that I might have to you know take your command and Picard's like I'm gonna have to take your command I might have to relieve you and you're just like uh I'm breaking Um, up with you no I'm breaking up with you and I and I thought of it first so there there you go (laughs) um which totally happened to me before which was so funny oh god yeah I broke up with this guy and then like a week later he was like you know I think we should break up and I was like (laughs) <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Sir, I was like, okay. Written by 1988 men. What are you talking about? I already like dropped we did off. This, your- did we do this last week? Is this like Throwback Thursday? <laughs> but I was just like, I already okay. dropped off your CDs and your Letterman jacket, and now you're telling me you want to see other people. Like, my friend, what are you talking she about? Like, she was like, didn't you already break up with him last week? I and sure I did. Like, but you know, he wanted it to be his decision. If that makes him feel better, I'm okay with that. But yeah, so that's what's going on here. And then, the and then he does tell Riker, like, do you really think you have enough evidence to go before an inquiry board to prove that mutiny was like acceptable? And yeah. Riker's like, no, like he knows he doesn't have a leg to stand on. But yeah. he also says, but I'm not going to let you endanger this ship. Like mm-hmm. I will take over if I have to, even though I will get court-martialed, like, I'm yes, yes. And Riker really stands by it because Picard orders the ship to 10 million kilometers at, at which point the ship will be totally destroyed and all lives lost. So, so Riker's like, okay, so we've had about enough of this. Mm-hmm. We're done now. And you're no longer in command. And Picard is like, okay, Worf, escort Riker from the bridge. But it becomes clear immediately that nobody's listening. Yeah, it was such a great scene because you're like, oh, poor Worf, he's put in such an awkward position. But because they had that conversation earlier about he's just acting weird, like we're just going to keep our eyes on it. He's already kind of like prepped to be like, yeah, you're trying to kill us all. Um, yeah. So no, I'm not going to like gonna do that. I'm not going to do that. Did you notice that when Picard finally sort of reveals like Riker is not in his right mind, Worf, take him away. Like he really makes his power play. This doppelganger Picard is standing with his back to the main view screen and he's lit in such a way that he doesn't look like his normal self. And I Mm -hmm. noticed that I was like, what a nice little nod. It's like, we know that he's the fake Picard. We've known it the whole time because we know what's happening to the real Mm -hmm. Picard, but Mm -hmm. the crew is just for the first time, really fully seeing how he is and that he's absolutely not Picard. And I thought that was kind of a cool little, if they did it by accident, then props but if they did that on purpose i thought that was a really intelligent way of sort of showing him literally in a slightly different light so that the hmm. crew was like oh shit no you're really really not our picard at all i thought that was pretty neat i was like wow. i didn't notice that i didn't notice that and and this whole time like we know that it's a doppelganger picard mm-hmm. but it could just as easily be a picard whose brain has been changed like an altered picard right we know it's like a whole different person it's not even the same person yeah but every time in the past when picard's been possessed it's still been Picard just like as a puppet, something inside him is like changing his actions or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, so for, I mean, for our purposes, it's the same though, because this guy has copied all his memories and affectations and his walk and his stance and his, the sound of his voice and all of that. Oh, and they're so, all gray too. 
I mm-hmm. love that. I was like, hey, Picard's drinking Earl Grey. Okay. It's a pretty impressive copy. So then Worf is just like, he doesn't say anything. He just, he just stands there. I mean, he doesn't even say like, I'm not going to do it. He just stands there. And so then he's like, crush, you know, Wesley, take us in. And Wesley's like, now Wesley's put in a weird (laughs) position, right? Because he's like, well, it's my captain. I listen to my captain, but also I kind of don't want to die. But also Riker just committed mutiny and Worf is backing him. And I also think Picard's acting weird. And he's just like, you know, and Riker's like, take us away right now at whatever warp, you know, whatever, you know, full impulse, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he's like, he looks and he looks at data and data just looks back at him. Like, I don't know what's going on either. (laughs) Don't look at me. Data's nonverbal communication is great. Cause he just kind of went like, I don't know about this. Like that was kind of like, I don't know what's going on either. But you know what? Wesley's just like, get us out of here. Yeah. Taking Mm -hmm. us out immediately. And I do love that as soon as the power has been taken out of Picard's hands. He just stands there. He's just like, okay. <laughs> He's just yep. literally standing there. It's like, that's the end of his research. Like now he knows this is how far you can push them before yes. they stop listening to your authority. You have yes. to actually put them in mortal danger. Yes. And at the point that this climax is happening, the real Picard is having his climax as well, where he's like, look, Cadet Haro, um, one, two, three, four, I'm not playing anymore. Okay. Um, this isn't a detention cell. It's a laboratory. You are just testing us to see what we'll do. And he knows that it's unlikely that a first year cadet would have knowledge of the enterprise's mission on Matonka three. So he's like, I tested you with this car Corolla bit and Starfleet has deemed the Firox plague as top secret. So there's no way you would ever know about it. And Haro is like, you're right. It is over or something. And she transforms into these three crazy ass looking aliens with horrible uniforms that are like skin tight lycra spandex latex mm-hmm. corset yeah, the best thing. that the best that starfleet technology has to offer they're oh, always boy. doing some latex like bodysuits. they really do and it's not <laughs> for everyone let me it's not for me this is why <laughs> i want to dress like a klingon for this reason <laughs> yes because i would not be very flattered if i had to wear a skin I would, tight anything <laughs> i would look awful but anyway yeah so he, she transforms into three aliens who say that they've been observing the remaining three and because i didn't remember quite how this episode had ended i was like wait but is isak and thal like are they aliens that are observing is this all you know everybody's an imposter but picard but it turns out that she's the only one she's been observing them and they tell the others that they've placed replicas in their place and they offer to take everyone back and they offer to take everyone back just because picard unveiled the truth and they're like well you've ruined our experiment now because your knowledge of us means that you're not going to act the way you would normally act and that's what we want to observe so i guess we'll take you home you know it wasn't it wasn't like sorry, you know, because they had, and they reveal later, they have no, no concept of morality. And they think that this is just fine to do for their like educational purposes. Yes. Yes. It's, it becomes the, um, dual slit experiment. Once you know it's happening, it's going to behave a different way than it would otherwise. So it's like, okay, well, experiments at an end now. And so they zap the aliens all back to where they came from. And on board the enterprise, the real Picard appears on the bridge with his captor. And Picard turns into another alien of the same race. And they explain, as you said, that their species has like no concept of structure of command. And like, they were just kind of trying to study them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that that is such a cool concept when you're dealing with alien races. I think that that's great writing on behalf of the Star Trek writers, because you would meet different aliens that have different moral compasses and moral guides and things like studying a race by keeping them captive probably wouldn't phase like one alien race where like we would be like, Oh my God, this is like a huge invasion and a violation. But like, I thought that that was such a cool way for them to be like, we were just curious. Like we just wanted to see what would happen. I I thought that was really neat. And that's also a departure from season one when everything was being possessed by something that was like evil or out to destroy stuff or whatever. It's like, in this case, no one's doing this to be evil, which it kind of felt like, like, why are Mm -hmm. you trying to kill the entire crew? Or like, Mm -hmm. why are you trying to imprison these people and make, you know, um, Isak, like kill the, the Miserian, like, yes. why are you, why are you setting up these really dangerous scenarios? But you see like there, there's no ill intention at all. They're just like curious and they're just seeing what happens. And that's kind of a, that's also refreshing. Cause you're like, oh, their motivation is curiosity and exploration. 
which is what Starfleet's all about. It's not about being evil, mm-hmm. but it's Picard's job now to tell them why, even though they were just doing it out of curiosity, what they were doing was wrong and why it was wrong. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that that was really, really well done. Now, the way that Picard gets this lesson across to them is he gives Riker a glance and Picard walks around the aliens to kind of get their backs turned away from Riker. So Riker kind of pushes some buttons on his comm panel. And then he looks at data and data like kind of pushes some buttons. And then data looks at Worf and Worf is like, got it and pushes some buttons. And then Picard says, now, Mr. Worf, and suddenly a force field appears. And I thought, doesn't it just take one person to put up a force field? Like, do you need to have like multiple people? It does. But somehow this force field was like very small and it was only around those two people. Yeah, it was like a tube. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tube. And I feel like it has to be some kind of special force field because they have some really cool technology for transporting in and out of places. They just like put their finger in the air and kind of cue style pop in and out of things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like this had to be some kind of special force field or maybe it was like level 10 or I don't know what, but I will say this scene where he's talking to them and he's giving them the speech about right and wrong. And they all are glancing at each other to make the force field is like my favorite scene of this whole entire episode. And every yes. time I would rewatch this episode, I only rewatched that part, like just the end part. The looks. I just, I just love just the looks. I just love it. I love how they're just like nodding to each other. And the aliens mm-hmm. are like, la, 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 la. like, they have no idea. And then they trap them. And it's so satisfying to me because it is. they're like, how could you, you can't trap us. Our people can't stand to be confined. This isn't right. It's like, what? You just had these people trapped in a prison for days, like with one guy not having any food. Mm -hmm. And you guys think that this is not, your people can't handle this. I was just like, well, see that, but that was, that was a lesson that they needed to learn because it never occurred to them that they wouldn't want to be captive. It was just like, oh, we're just going to study you. That's it. We just can't tell you we're studying you because otherwise like it changes the results of the experiment. But I love that Picard is like, now that we know about you, now that we know how to trap you and hold you, get the fuck off my ship and don't Mm -hmm. come back. And I thought that was wonderful. And he says, now get off my ship. I just love that line. So such a great, it was like just such a great ending line where he's just like, we know how to imprison you. So bear that in mind. If we ever see you again, now yeah. get off my ship. And you're just like, Oh, it's so, <laughs> like, it's just so it satisfying. Is so good. It is so good. Um, and Picard, you know, because this is star Trek, you just went through this harrowing experience and they're like, all right, set course for whatever. Like there's no, mm-hmm. like, I need to go to medical and get like a full checkup. I need to have, or I need a nap or I need some food. I need to go 10 forward. Cause all I've been eating is poisonous jello discs. Yeah, the last three days. Hockey pucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's been the only one eating them because everybody else has enough sense to not put that in their mouth. But anyway, so <laughs> Picard asks Riker, like, how how convincing was this doppelganger? And Riker was like, it was good, but not perfect. I didn't know you were such a good singer. And Picard's like, singer? Okay, well, I look forward to reading your report or at least I think I do. And I love this little ending when mm-hmm. Beverly comes onto the bridge And she sits down in Counselor Troy's seat for some reason and says, Captain, in a super seductive way. Mm -hmm. And then gives him this knowing look. And Picard is like, engage. Huh. (laughs) Engage. Yeah. (laughs) I felt like it was like the hangover, right? Where he's like, now got to piece together what happened. What did I do? (laughs) Over the last like 31 hours. What was going on? And there's no way to know. So he's just like, okay, something with singing, something with Beverly. I don't know what was going on. And like, as far as we know, Beverly has no idea that there was a doppelganger on the ship nope. because she just, she was in the turbo lift when all this was going on. Yep. She had no idea. So yeah, she just thinks she's being flirty after this flirty slash very weird date. <laughs> and now, and now it's yeah. the real captain. Poor Beverly is just getting the rug pulled out from under her left and mm-hmm. right. She's getting kicked out of this date. Suddenly it's the real Picard. And he's like, what can I help you? And she's like, I guess never mind." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Beverly, nice to see you. <laughs> I know she's like professional working with you. Yes. (laughs) I hope you have a pleasant and professional day. Thank you. (laughs) Couldn't you be in sick pain? She's like, damn. Just kidding. (laughs) What are you doing here? Go back to work. (laughs) All right. Do you have any final thoughts on this episode? Yeah. I mean, my final thought was the same as my initial thought. Like this just feels like a season one idea, but done so much better. Like Mm -hmm. you see how far they've come in season three. I had almost nothing good to say about season one. And I've had almost nothing bad to say about season three. 
Like this season is just like, it makes you want the show to never end. Even their episodes where you're like, eh, or they're kind of forgettable. They're still actually good. Like, yes, the writing's good. The makeup's good. The like, everything's good. So that's mine. This one, this for me is like a solid B of an episode. Um, but that is one of those episodes that I keep coming back to over and over again, because it's comfortable TNG. Mm -hmm. We're not breaking any kind of crazy ground. It's just business as usual type of enterprise mystery to be solved, but Mm -hmm. it's comfortable and it's, I I love it. All right. Um, I enjoyed this episode a lot. Next week, we are talking season three, episode 19, Picard Bones Vosh. No, wait, that is the official title. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's season three, episode 19, Captain's Holiday, which is a really fun one. Um, Sharice, this has been so much fun. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Can't wait to see you again next week and do this again. Yeah. And by the way, next week's episode is one of Andrea's favorites because she's a big Vosh fan. So if you're a Vosh, if you're also a Vosh fan, make sure that you tune in next week. (laughs) All right, guys. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.